Listen, guys, I, I want to talk to you. Today is going to be a different kind of a day, okay? You've already seen that. I'm praying. We're kind of doing a different order of service. Today's going to be different for a number of different reasons, but the primary one is, uh, so we are one church with three locations. We have a location in Princeton and Goldsboro and here, and, and so one church, three locations. Typically, if you hear the sermon here, we collaborate on that as a, as a team of pastors, and we have some of the same scriptures, some of the same main points. We really work together a lot, and I'm super grateful for that, and, and, and it really it makes me better as a pastor. It really helps me, and, and so the iron sharpening iron kind of a thing. But one little piece that we build in is every year we have a few Sundays, and I've never really announced that that's what we're doing. Maybe some of you, I know some of you, you run and you're on the treadmill during the week and stuff, and so you come here on Sundays and then you tune into the podcast during the week, or maybe you drive a lot. And so you, there's been a Sunday where you've noticed like, wait, Pastor Andrew didn't preach like it wasn't the same. Or A few Sundays a year we build in these one-offs, and it's a chance for us as the pastor to just say, what is it that I feel like God is saying to me to tell my congregation? What is it that God wants to speak directly to us? And so I, I, I'm really excited for today because I believe I've got a word from the Lord. I, and as a matter of fact, I know I do. I know God's led me uh, to, to preach this message today. <clears throat> Which makes it a little bit scary because you want to do a good job. You're like, okay, God's given me an assignment. So, so uh, anyway, excited to be able to bring this to you. You're going to notice it's different for another reason. I don't have seven points or five points or even two points. I've got one point, okay? So if you're not a note taker, today is the perfect time for initiation. All right? Today is your day. You can do this. There is one point, okay? So anyway, hope that, uh, hope that all of you will be note-takers. We believe that note-takers go to heaven. <clears throat> and anybody else who loves and serves Jesus, but note-takers as well. So anyway, I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of being all-in. Being all-in. And, and when you talk about being all-in, automatically, the thing that comes to mind is this question of value. Value. <clears throat> See, whether, whether you realize it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you've ever taken time to think through this or not, we are constantly determining and assessing value and deciding, is this thing I can give, whether it be my money or my time or my energy or whatever it is, here's the question we're asking. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yes, I could stay at that job seven more years and draw full retirement. But am I going to have to kill my boss if I do that? Is it worth it? Yes, I could go do other things, but is it worth it? Let me tell you the last time you asked this question. It may have been since then, but Thursday afternoon, you had eaten. Oh, man, turkey stuffing. You ate good. The pie, there was a large percentage of the pie missing. And you were sitting on your couch, and there were flyers all around you. And you were thumbing through, looking at the Black Friday deals. And some of you younger generation, you were scrolling through your phone, trying to figure out where all the deals were. And you've got your Christmas list ready, ready-ish, kind of ready, but you knew kind of some of the things you wanted to go shopping for. And during 
Thursday afternoon, as you're looking through those flyers, as you're scrolling through those deals on your phone, let me tell you the question you're asking. Okay, this is a 5 a.m. doorbuster. Yes, I could save $98. That would be amazing. But then I'd have to wake up at 3 a.m. And the question you asked yourself that Thursday afternoon is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And some of you, you decided it was worth it. And you did it. You woke up at 3 a.m. and you went and hit all four of those stores and you got all those deals. But you need to come to this altar this morning and repent for the way you acted. <laughs> the things you said. There was security footage. No, I'm just kidding with you. Man, you see all of those crazy things happen on Black Friday. And so the question we ask is, is it worth it? I was getting ready to buy a pair of shoes the other week. The question I'm asking, how often am I going to wear these? Is it, they're kind of expensive. Do I want to have to explain this to Nicole? Is it worth it? Ladies, you get ready to buy something, a purse. Well, I've got a brown purse and I've got a sparkly black purse, but I need a plain black purse. I don't know what really, but anyway, is it worth it? It's not just with money. It's also with everything else. I recently was asked about playing in a basketball league by Tony and Chris here at the church. And uh, we had our first practice this past Tuesday. When I woke up Wednesday morning, I knew the answer to this question. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So that's the question we're constantly asking. Is it worth it? There's actually a commercial on TV now. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I've seen this commercial several times. It's two guys. I think they're in a park, and one guy looks at the other, and he says, how much would you pay for something you don't want? Have you guys seen that commercial? Okay. Maybe I made it up. Anyway, he says, how much would you pay for something you don't want? And the other guy looks at him and says, is this a joke? I mean, we don't even like to pay for the stuff that we want, let alone pay for something we don't want. So how do you know how much something's worth? I think the economy would tell you that the way you determine how much something is worth is the value of anything is what someone else is willing to pay for it. So if you can find somebody who's willing to pay a lot, hey, it's, this thing is worth a lot. When you get ready to sell your car, you hope you're going to be able to get a lot, but you go and check Kelly Blue Book value. When you get ready to sell your house, you check comps to determine where should I set the price point, what, how much is it worth, how reasonably how much can I hope to get for this. But is it's not always the same value that you necessarily place on it. For instance, I had a buddy a couple weeks back, and uh, he was telling me all of the reasons why he needed a new truck. And he had already had it in his mind, I'm going to sell this truck, and then I'm going to get a new one, and here's what I'm looking at, and I've already been looking at some dealerships, and I think I can get this deal for this truck. And in his mind, this truck's already sold. And then he checked Kelly Blue Book. And his feelings were hurt. And here's what he told me. He said, man, this truck is worth more to me than it is to anybody else. And so in his mind, he had to unsell the truck and give back the truck he had already purchased from the dealership in his mind. So it's about value. Here's my point in saying all of that. 
we're constantly assessing the value of things and determining worth. So let me ask you a question. It all boils down to this. What is the kingdom of God worth to you? What is the kingdom of God worth to you? Now, I know we're in church. And I know the churchy answer is, well, it's worth a lot. It's worth everything. It's invaluable. Right? We would say any of those things, all of those things. I I don't know. But then, if what's it worth to you? I would ask you, if you would say it's worth everything, does your calendar bear that out? Does your checkbook say that's true? Are you putting your best energy into serving God? You know, l- let me just tell you guys something. This is a judgment-free zone today, okay? I am not here to judge you. As a matter of fact, as God was putting this together for me and showing me what I ought to preach today, I feel like the mailman. I mean, it's like... I, God is spanking me too. I'm I'm over here with you guys going, okay, God, help me, Jesus. What's the kingdom of God worth to me? Sunday for an hour? Okay, let's be real. Every other Sunday for an hour? 15 minutes a day? Maybe, Maybe you're really sold out. Maybe you are just gangbusters for Jesus. And you come and you do set up every Sunday morning and you get here at 6.30 and you come to church and then you stay for teardown and you're here until 12.30 and, and you're just sold out, man. You're in it and you're here every single Sunday and you give Jesus 15 minutes a day. You have a vibrant, healthy, quiet time. You're in a bridge group, so it's not only 15 minutes a day. It's not only service every week. There's a couple times a month you're going into a home and you're meeting with other believers and you're parsing through God's word together. That's incredible. I would listen, by today's standards in our culture, I, I would say that's pretty good. But it doesn't matter what I say. Jesus has something to say on this matter, and, and I want us to look at it. It's in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44, going through verse 46. Jesus talks to us on this very subject. Here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. And he bought it. So so here's what's happening here. There's three verses, two parables, one point. A parable was a way that Jesus typically would teach. It was a story. A lot of times the stories were made up. It's not about real people. But, But Jesus would tell these parables. And then what he would do is he would teach a spiritual truth through the story. These are two of the shortest parables I know of in Scripture. Three verses, two parables, 
But it all has one point, and that point is the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. The kingdom of heaven is worth it all. As much as we could give, as much as we could ever hope to give, the kingdom of heaven is worth all of it. And, and so there's, there's something I need to do. I need to, I need to give you some context behind these two parables because, see, we live in a different culture, and it, and, it, and it just is different. It doesn't always translate well. And so let me help you understand what's going on here. When Jesus tells us this parable of the hidden treasure, there are some things we need to know. Back in this day, it was very common to go out, take your money, take your valuables, and go find a place and hide them. Bury them in a field because there were no banks. And so there was no place safe to go and put your money. It wasn't about drawing interest. It was about just keeping your money safe. Because at any point, robbers or looters could come into your house. At any point, there could be a knock on your door, and there's the tax collector, and oh no. And so it was such a freeing thing to be able to say, Hey guys, look around. I ain't got nothing, you know? And then you knew, you knew where that treasure was. And so it was a very common thing. Remember the parable of the talents? The master gives three servants a measure of money. He says, I'm going away for a little while. I'll be back. Two of the servants, what did they do? They went and invested that money. But do you remember what that other servant did? What did he do? He buried it. He buried it. The master comes back, he goes, he digs it up, polishes it up a little bit. <sighs> Here you go, I didn't lose it. So, so it was a very common thing to bury treasure <clears throat> back in those days. Now one part that also may stick out to you about this story is the fact that this man, when he found this treasure hidden in the field, he didn't try to find the owner. He said, sweet, I've hit the jackpot. I went and sold all he had to get this field. In our culture, that's not really ethical. If you were to leave this place today and you were to go out into the parking lot and find a $100 bill, what would you do? Go to ribeyes. <laughs> Pastor Ivan, okay. <clears throat> most of you, most of you, you would try to find the owner. You would bring it back in. Hey, did anybody lose $100? You know, I mean, you, you would. It, it's ethical in our culture to try and return something when it's lost. But in this culture, there was actually a Jewish rabbinic law. Here's what it said. If a man finds scattered fruit or money, it belongs to the finder. Let me read that one more time. If a man finds scattered fruit or money, it belongs to the finder. So this man was doing nothing wrong whenever he did that. This law, this is actually the very first version of finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Because can you imagine you go and you bury your whole treasure, your life savings, you go and bury it, and then you come back to that field and there's just a hole where your treasure used to be? There would be some weeping. So that's kind of what was going on in that culture. That's some context around that story. Now, the, the story of the pearl. So you move on that. In this day, in biblical times, the pearl was considered the most valuable gem there was. 
Now, in our culture, we look at diamonds and, and gold as being more valuable. But in this culture, what you would do to just be flashy, what you would do to let people know you've got money, is women would put a single pearl in their ponytail, in their hair, and they would wear that there, and everybody around would know. It, it's like if you got a big old rock or something on your finger today, if you got a big old diamond or big diamond, it was just a way to let everybody know, I've got money. So, so pearls were extremely valuable. Here's why. Pearls are, are found in oysters. Oysters live in the ocean at a depth of about 40 feet to 100 feet. Now, in this day and time, there, was no, there were no scuba tanks. There were no wetsuits. There were, no, there were none of the modern technology that we have to go underwater and stay there. So these guys, what, what they would do, these pearl divers, they would literally tie a rock to themselves. And when they got to about 40 to 100 feet deep, they would release the rope, the rock would fall, the, the diver would get as much oysters as many oysters as he could into his bucket he's got this singular breath he's going underwater <gasps> throws the rock down <sighs> sinks unties grabs as many oysters as he can comes back to sur to the surface and you better hope you can do all of that in one breath it was an extremely dangerous job a lot of divers lost their life. And as a matter of fact, most freed people would not do this. You had to get slaves to be pearl divers. So, so it was just treacherous. But it was so highly sought after that people did it. But it was considered the most valuable gem there was because there was such a great loss of life that was associated, that was associated with it. And just to give you some statistics... In three tons worth of oysters, these statistics are the same today, it hasn't changed much. In three tons of oysters, you'll only find about three or four oysters that will produce a perfect pearl. So in 6,000 pounds of oysters, there's only three or four perfect pearls. So you see, here's this merchant, he finds this pearl and he says, I'm going to sell everything I've got. To get this. Now that we understand the value of a pearl, it gives greater significance to Matthew chapter 7. Remember when Jesus was saying on the, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, <clears throat> Don't cast your pearls before swine. We read that and we don't really understand, okay, pearls. Don't cast the most valuable thing we have. And in that way, when Jesus was saying that, he was comparing it to the gospel message. Don't to people who you know are going to ridicule it and they're not open to it and they're not going to accept it. Don't cast your pearls before swine. This is the most valuable thing there is. So that's some background story to that parable. Now let's look at both of them together. Remember the man found the treasure, sells all he has to buy the field. The merchant finds the pearl, sells all he has to buy the pearl. The interesting thing to me in this is that when both the man and the merchant found the treasure, what did they do? They recognized the value. Immediately, they recognized the value. Can I tell you what's heartbreaking? 
and I'm just going to put this on me, if I were to walk out into the parking lot and find a $100 bill or a diamond ring, I would immediately know I found something valuable. Yet how oftentimes for me, and you just put this in your case if it's applicable, how oftentimes does my Bible sit on the shelf gathering dust and the very words of life are in it? The, the value is right there. I mean, it's right there. Do I recognize the value? And, and these guys, this man and this merchant, not only did they recognize what they had, but then Scripture tells us they responded. They responded. Nothing would do for them. Immediately they went away. Immediately they sold all they had to be able to attain this. They went back to their normal lives and they looked around. They looked at their house. They looked at their livestock. They looked at their clothes. They looked at everything they had. A lifetime worth of work. And both men went home, looked at all they had, and they said, what I have found is worth all of this. What I found is worth every bit of this stuff. I'm going to go all in. They sold all they had so that they could go all in. They recognized and they responded. So here's the point. Here's the point. If you have zoned out, come back to me right now. Get ready. All the note takers... Here's the point. To be all in, you have to give all up. To be all in, you have to give all up. We see this in what those two men did. We see it. Another example is Jesus. He literally gave His life on that cross because He was all in. He wanted something for us. I think about Abraham. God made Abraham a promise. He said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Years go by. He doesn't have a kid. More years go by. He doesn't have a kid. Abraham questions God. God, what are you doing? I thought you said I was going to be the father of many nations. My wife is now old. To be the father of many nations, you've got to start out with being the father of one. What are you doing? Questions God. Finally, I'm skipping over a lot. Finally, they have a son. When they have this son, he gets up of some age. And God gets ready to test Abraham. And he says, hey, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And I want you to go sacrifice him. Sacrifice him to me. Kill him. Abraham was willing to give it all up because he was all in for Jesus. He was all in for God. Of course, we know God did not require that sacrifice of Isaac. He wanted to test Abraham's heart, but Abraham was all in. To be all in, you have to give all up. Here's how it played out in Paul's life, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. 
To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. When I see those verses, when I see Paul's heart, it is obvious to me. Paul said, I'm willing to do anything short of sin to win people for Jesus. I want them to know what it is I have. Guys, I got to tell you something. I want that to be the attitude of our church. Listen, I love hanging out with you guys. As a matter of fact, I see you in the foyer. I'm so excited to be able to spend time with you. On Sundays when I'm away, I really miss being here. I really, truly enjoy being with you guys. But the primary function of our church is not socialization. It's not to be a country club. God has called us to be a hospital. He's called us to help people in this area and beyond know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So our focus has to be like that of Paul. Well, well, why did he have that attitude? Look at verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul said, I'm all in. That's why I do it. I'm all in. But the most shocking thing Paul said is verse 19. Look at it. Back up to verse 19. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Now, I've never been around a slave, but I've got to believe that if you were ever to be a slave, there's one thing that would be on your mind. How can I be free? What what have I got to do How can I run away? How can I be free? But look at what Paul says. Paul says, I'll do it in reverse. I'm free. I will make myself a slave. I will become a slave. I will willingly give up my freedom if it means I can help people find Jesus. If it means I can live in this purpose that God has called me to. To be all in, you have to give all up. Reminds me of a story I heard. It's a true story. In the 19th century, the Dutch ruled a region in South America called Suriname. S-U-R-I-N-A-M-E. Suriname. And there was this island off the coast of Suriname. And, and this island full of people. Absolutely full of people. There was only two kinds of people on this island. There were the slaves and the slave owners. Well, these missionaries, God puts it on their heart to go to that island. And so they're preparing, they're getting ready. The slave owners catch wind of what's going on. They hear that this group of missionaries is getting ready to come to their island. And they're like, oh no, we know, uh uh, we're not going to lose our forced labor. So these slave owners got together and they made a law. And the law said that only slaves and slave owners can talk to slaves. Only two people. The missionaries heard about it. Word got back to them and they are absolutely devastated. Well, 
God, what are we supposed to do now? You called us to this area. We're preparing to go. We're getting ready. And now this setback. And God, why would you do this to us? And where else do you want us to go? And, and, and what's your will for us? And the more they prayed, the more God solidified it to them. That you're still supposed to go to this island. So they went. And as soon as they got there, they sold themselves into slavery. Willingly. Sold themselves into slavery. And at that point, they were subject to the same brutal treatment like all the other slaves. They were subject to the same disease, the same hunger, the same tropical climate. I mean, just, they're slaves. They gave up their freedom to witness for Jesus. A few years go by, a couple of the slaves get saved. They give their heart to Jesus. They respond to the gospel message. A few more years go by, and a bunch of slaves have gotten saved. A few more years go by, a slave owner gets saved. Pretty quick after that, one slave owner turned into three. And then just a few years after those slave owners got saved, all of the slaves on the island were set free because revival had broken out on that island. Revival broke out in surname on that island because there was a small group of missionaries who said, we're going to go all in. And it's going to require us to give it all up. I mean, our very freedom. But we'll do it. And they saw amazing results. Guys, it doesn't take a lot of people to change the world. It takes a few people who are committed. A few people who will say, I'm all in. Here's what I want to do today. I, I want to just dismiss us from the, from the front. So I, I want to pray for us up here in this altar. I'm not going to keep you long, I promise. We're not going to do anything weird or spooky, I promise you. But if you would right now, just stand up and, and begin to fill in this altar. We're just going to pray right up here. Everybody's coming up and just getting in real tight. Do we recognize value? Do we recognize that today, this morning, Jesus has set before us the very kingdom of heaven and we have the opportunity not to just see its worth, but to respond. To say, God, I've been giving you some of my life but I want to really and truly give you everything I've got. Paul, the guy I was telling you about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he wrote this as well, Philippians 3.8. Let's put it up on the screen. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Read that next part with me count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul said, 
See, and I'm not there yet. That's why I'm saying I'm the mailman today. I almost want to come down there with y'all and just read it. I have suffered the loss of all things. Doesn't mean nothing. They're all rubbish. Because I've still got the one thing that matters most. I have got a relationship with Jesus. At the kingdom of God. Paul said, man, it was me that dug up that treasure. It was me. I was the merchant. I found that pearl. And now everything else, it just pales in comparison. Pales in comparison. I want to make sure I'm, I'm teaching right now. I want to make sure we all walk away with the right picture. A couple years ago, maybe decades ago now, prosperity theology became really popular. And that said, well, if you will serve God, if you will have enough faith, then God will make you rich. It's bad theology. Jesus never promised we were all going to be rich. But just like in everything else, there's extremes. And so you have prosperity theology, but you also have poverty theology. This idea that in order to make it to heaven, I'm supposed to be poor and live on meager means and wear hand-sewn clothes and Poverty theology is wrong as well. You want to know what it looks like to go all in? Just like really simply, how, how can I apply this? This is cool, that story about surname, that's cool. How do I take that with me to Monday? The way we go all in is we look at our life and we say, God, you've given me everything I have. Everything in my bank account. You've given me my health my home, my car, my family, my skills, my abilities. Everything I have is yours. And so God, I just want to open myself up right now. Lord, you see what I have. I want to use it. I want to help be a hospital in this area. I want to help people know Jesus as their Savior. I'm going all in. And when we will pray like that, the devil gets scared. He does because when we look at Jesus and we say, I'm not holding anything back, you can have it all. Satan gets scared when a bunch of people come together and say, I'm going all in. So I want us to do that today. I want to pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the first way you go all in. So let me help you do that right now. If you need to know Jesus as your Savior, if this is you, if this is for you, if you mean this in your heart, you don't have to necessarily say it out loud, but God knows your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm tired of running. I want to go all in today, so I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. pray that you would come live in my heart, and I pray that you would help me live this out every day from now on. Jesus, thank you for saving me. For the rest of us, we pray, Heavenly Father, we're not there yet. Paul said, I lost everything, and it doesn't bother me a bit. I count it as rubbish. God, we're not there yet. I do pray, though, that, that you would help us to recognize, to really and truly recognize the value of the kingdom of heaven, the value of this relationship that we can have with you, 
And God, that we would respond to it. I pray that as we leave here, and I, I know I'm repeating myself, but God, I pray that this word would take root in our hearts. I pray, God, that we would begin to see the fruit of it in the coming weeks, but that for the next years, decades, our families would be changed, our legacies would be changed because we've gone all in. It won't be easy, but it's so, so worth it. God, give us the wisdom to do it. Give us the strength and the courage. Give us the determination to stick with it. We can't do this under our own power. We need your help. God, we want to give you everything we've got and go all in today. Make that the prayer of our hearts. Make that the prayer of this house. We make that our prayer right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. Listen, we're going we're gonna to take some time right now and pray right here at this altar. There are going to be some prayer warriors. If you want to pray for a family member, a loved one, something going on in your life, uh, we want to pray with you, okay? So we're going to keep this auditorium reverent and allow those people to pray who want to pray. If you are a first-time guest, don't forget to go by the VIP table. Those new cups are in. And if you are a guest and don't take a cup, I'm going to take one because they're really cool. And if you already have a cup, don't be acting like you're a guest again today. We know you. Screening process. Hey guys, next week we start our Christmas series. Bring somebody, okay? All right. Have a good week. See you guys.